Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Calvary, it is good to see you. It's fantastic to be with you. Uh, I have not been with you on a Sunday morning for quite a while, and I'm glad to be back here today. Uh, if you are checking out Calvary online today, if you're visiting, uh, as we acknowledged a few moments ago here in the main auditorium or in auditorium two, uh, you have made a superbly intelligent choice uh, because I can tell you this church is a church that cares. They are real people. They are meeting real needs in the community, and they've been doing it for decades and decades. Uh, so Calvary Church, what Chad just said is so true. Thank you for the way that you invest so faithfully because it's changing lives, not here in Northwest Ohio alone, but literally across the state, across the nation, and around the world. And speaking of my friend Chad, he is correct. Uh, we go that far back, and uh, you already know this. I could say so much about Chad, but for the sake of time, let me just tell you that uh, ministry peers that I have around the state, other pastors, they just come up and thank me. Anytime we can put Chad in front of them and uh, hear the wisdom, the way he shares, uh, you are you are so blessed to have his leadership and part of my job. I have a tall order today. I don't know how successful I will be at every goal, but one of them I am going to absolutely nail, and that is make you grateful for Pastor Chad's teaching. You are going to totally love seeing him again. Okay, you believe it. All right, all right, you're already there. Okay, good, we're on the same page. So uh, let's have fun today, and let's be encouraged. When I heard what the worship team was doing uh, in the first part of the service and where they're coming back at the end, I just felt so confirmed uh, because also Pastor Chad said, you know, we've been in Matthew chapter 5. Everybody's enjoying that series right now. He wanted to purposely take a break this week because he sensed that there were some people who could really use some encouragements, some specific encouragement for some of the challenges that you're walking through right now. And so today we want to look at the Apostle Paul as he navigated some of the detours that came his way that were very challenging. Um, what's so cool about this message that is based on, on Acts chapter 13 and 14 is you could take these notes and you could apply it to the life of so many people in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. So many examples you read about that's the common theme is that the unexpected things happen to them, and uh, Paul calls it his race. We'll be closing with that today, the race that he was on, and the race that so many people were on, their journey from Abraham and Sarah to David to Daniel to Mary and Joseph, on and on and on, these same facts and these same myths could apply in their circumstances, and now let's make it even more real. There are people in the seats to your right or to your left, behind you or in front of you, and these principles would so apply, and as we talk about them, some of them are going to jump out of you like, oh, that's what she just walked through. Oh, I know that family. That's their testimony. So if you are in the midst of what you would call an unexpected interruption in your life today, be encouraged. It's tough. It is challenging. Some of them take, they knock the wind out of our sails. But you're surrounded by an army today in this room, in this faith community, as well as throughout history. Now, let me just give a, a little caveat. These unexpected detours that we're talking about 
I'm going to assume today that you have the wherewithal, that you have the physical abilities, the strength, the wisdom to navigate an unexpected detour if, for example, the lottery folks show up at your front door and say, congratulations, you're going to get a $10,000 check every week for the rest of your life. That is an unexpected detour. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today. I just, I believe you'll be able to navigate that okay. I believe that with the help of God and his people that you'll be able, what I'm talking about today are the ones that, wow, am I going to make it? Wow. Come on. Seriously? Those are the detours. And I've titled the message Deconstructing Detours because you know, the word deconstruction, that, that concept is, has been uh, in the religious scope as well as the society uh, conversation for years now, and we're hearing more and more about it. And sometimes it's true, there should be a red flag when you hear about deconstructing our faith because there are evil forces at work amongst certain circles that would love to cause you to doubt your faith. They would love you to, to start the conversation and then take it so far that you begin to, to lose sight of what you know to be true and what you've found to be true your whole life. On the other hand, there is a deconstruction that's very healthy. Our faith needs to stay relevant. We, we don't want to get to that point where, like the Pharisees, we simply do what we do because we've always done it. It's tradition. And then things that are not even scripture get added onto that. And so what we want as Christians is a vibrant, relevant faith that's based on our understanding of who God is, and we're constantly uh, sensitive by his Holy Spirit to hear what God is saying to us, and we know that it's founded upon the changeless word of God. Now, I did deconstruction myself as a young adult decades ago, but I didn't know I was doing it. But in my mind, I started waxing reminiscent about my years growing up. Some of you cannot relate to this, but some of you can. I grew up in a Christian household I would say that it was strict, it, it was healthy, but yeah, it was, we were, my dad and my mom had ideas for what their kids were and were not going to be permitted to do, and they made sure that we knew that. We probably need more of that today, right? And I grew up in a very healthy church. But one of the things, in hindsight, that caused me to go, hmm, was the issue of dancing, all right? Here's what I mean by that. So I grew up in a house and in a church where young people were not going to go to places where there was where there was worldly music being played, and move, uh, and, and be in close proximity to others when they were moving to that music. That's how I grew up. But like clockwork, every month, our church paid the youth pastor to put dozens of us on the church bus and take us down the road to the skating rink, and, and we would have a fun time, and it was not Christian music. And so I started then looking back at my faith and my upbringing and, and realized I had missed the importance of three-inch wheels. Apparently, that is pivotal, that if your feet touch the ground, then no way. But if you have these wheels lifting you up off the ground, then you can move with anybody that you want to any song that you want, and everybody will say it's okay and it's wonderful. So looking back, yeah, I go, hmm, I'm not so sure about that one, the way that I interpret it. So today, we want to be careful on something much more important. This race that we're on, and we're all in a race, is so critical. We've got to have 
all the help in the world and all the reminders we can possibly muster to stay focused on the race that God has given us to run so that we don't allow the detours in life to get us sidetracked. So with that, let's look at Acts chapter 13 and 14 and see what we can learn from this trip that Paul was on. He was on a race. He didn't know that for centuries thereafter, people would refer to this around the world as his first missionary journey. That's one of the things about detours. We step into whatever circumstance that that life puts in front of us, we have to navigate it. And we don't know that later, years and decades later, we're going to look back and say, oh, that was the infamous chapter in my life called getting married called having children, called getting a new job, called, called moving, called joining a church. We, we don't know in those moments how taking that one step, putting one foot in front of another is going to lead to something pretty epic in our life. And so this was the first missionary journey as the church leaders in Acts 13 laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and said, we believe God is calling you to just trust him and go declare the gospel. And he did not know at that point that he was eventually going to take a second trip and go to other nations, and then eventually a third trip and go to other nations. This is one day in Paul's life where he is navigating an unexpected interruption, and the church leaders are telling him, we think God has picked you, and we think God has picked Barnabas. If you're willing, we're going to support you in this, and we send you out. So here they are in unknown territory in so many ways. And they've landed at the very first stop on this missionary journey. They, they hopped in a boat and they went to the island of Cyprus. And I know like you, whenever I take a new journey, I'm hoping for some easy steps. If we're going to make some, some adventurous uh, uh, journeys here, I want the, the beginning to be as easy as possible, some smooth sailing so we can prepare ourselves. I'm ready for an, a detour eventually But right out of the gate, we see that detours have different signs. Paul and Barnabas landed in Cyprus, and immediately, they don't even get to to relax or to get their bearings. They are confronted by a sorcerer. His name is Elamus. And he begins to speak against them and try to turn everybody on the island against him, against Paul and Barnabas and their message of this gospel about Jesus Christ. Detours have different signs. There was little warning for what Paul and Barnabas encountered. You've noticed in the detours in your life, sometimes the signs will pop up 30 miles in advance. The bridge is out. You're going to have to make plans. Get ready. Sometimes the signs are not that long. They're 1,000 feet. You're going to have to change lanes here pretty soon. Get ready. And then sometimes the deer runs right in front of us, and we only have a split second to make a decision, if that. Detours have different signs. So Paul and Barnabas, what do they do? They know that that their assignment is to preach the gospel. Paul knows he's on a race to serve the Lord. And so he does not allow the Elamus detour to detract him or distract him from the goal. And he continues to preach. And as a result of this detour that was unexpected, as so often in life, some really good things happen. And in fact, what Paul probably would not have achieved on his own happened as a result of his response to the detour. His response to the persecution resulted in the highest ranking, the most 
influential person on the island. His name is Sergius Paulus. He was appointed by Rome to oversee the whole region. He bowed his knee and said, this Jesus, I must know, I must serve him. Detours have different signs. They come at at different paces with different levels of warnings. But with the help of God, detours do not have to distract us from the race that he has called us to run. In fact, as we remain faithful, even through the challenges, we can find that not only will God sustain us, but that our journey, our race becomes even more effective. Detours have different signs. Detours also have different sizes. All detours are not the same size. As I said before, sometimes we have to change lanes for a few thousand feet or for a couple of miles. Not fun, but not horrible. You've been on detours before where you actually have to get off of the interstate. It's closed. Just happened in in Florida, again, with all the, the floods and everything. They had to get off of the interstate, and they could not get back on for miles and miles down the road. Sometimes, however, the size of the detour means this trip is canceled. It's not going to happen. Whatever the size of the detour that you're facing, and some of you, let's be real, some of you are right now in the thick of it. You're you're just putting one foot in front of another, taking deep breaths, because this this is pretty significant. Others of you are are hearing all of this today and you're going to remember with gratitude, maybe some tears, but a detour of a pretty significant size that that you went through, your family went through, but, but now you've come out on the other side and you're so thankful for God's faithfulness. Others of you, the detour has not yet happened. This week, my wife and I are going to celebrate the marriage of one of our children, our daughter, and like millions and billions of men and women over the years, she's about to say the phrase, for better or for worse. And it's humanly, impo- it's humanly impossible for people who are getting married, especially for the first time, to understand the impact of the phrase that they're saying. <laughs> and many times, it's both. I did not know how much better this was going to be. Wow, what an understatement. When I, I was just smiling, I was starry-eyed, I said, for better. And it, wow. And then the other part is true as well. Wow, I did not know what this was going to require of me. Such was the case when that little baby was born. Abigail, who's getting married this week, Back in 1996, she was born, and it was this time of year. And my mother and my father uh, flew up from Florida for the baby dedication in late October. And it was so fun to see them again and to celebrate the birth of our third child. We dedicated her to the Lord. But then after the party was over, when my mother found me by myself, she pulled out that finger. How many of you have a mother with that finger? I think she inherited it for her, from her mother. And it started going like this. And what she was doing was remembering back at Christmas the year before, nine months earlier, before we knew we were going to have a baby. She saw us at Christmas, and she noticed this little bump on my neck. And she said, John, you need to get that checked out. And I said, okay. But it was, it was not painful. It was, there was nothing about it. It was not inconvenient. 
And then we got pregnant, and I just kind of forgot. So here we are celebrating the birth of our baby, and, and, and the mother knows that her son has not done what he was supposed to do. And so I knew I'd see her again at Christmas, so I thought, well, I don't want to see that finger again. So I went to the doctor, and, and he took that out. It was a very simple procedure. And then we got a call and said, would you come in? Uh, he wants to just talk to you about that. So great. But it was, it was different. It was on Saturday. Usually doctors don't have Saturday hours, and, and so that was kind of weird. It was also, and I know very well, the geography that I'm in today as I tell this story. This was the day, November 23rd, 1996, you can look it up, when the amazing Michigan Wolverines and the amazing Ohio State Buckeyes, both, we all love each other, we're all good. Both of them, once again, and we can all, like this year, we can all say, well, that's true. It's just good football up here, and again that year, they were undefeated, both teams, and so they were coming to the end of the season for the classic game, and we'll see who wins, and wins the championship, and goes to the Rose Bowl, and all of that. So we had things to do on that Saturday. We were going to go to my wife's relative's house and have a big party and watch the game. So we had to go to the doctor's office first. So we walk in, we're kind of busy, and got things to do, and so I was so happy to see that the waiting room was empty. <laughs> oh, good. That I'm going to get right in. In fact, there were no nurses, no staff there. It, it was just him. And he, he probably wanted to watch the game too. He was sitting in the lobby waiting for us. And right there in the lobby, he, he was just us. He said, Mr. and Mrs. Wooten, I'm sorry to tell you this, but, but that was uh, an inflamed lymph node. And you have cancer, Mr. Wooten. You have Hodgkin's disease. You need to go see an oncologist right away. So I, I remember, of course, a lot about that day, a lot I don't, but I remember hopping in the car from that unexpected detour of a pretty significant size, relatively speaking, and driving to my in-law's house. And I remember the whole way I was leaning my head to the left. There was no dialogue in our car. It was so quiet. But I just thought, I don't know if I'm going to cry. And if I do, I want the tears to fall on the left side of my face so my wife over here won't see anything. And then we talked about it later, and she said, yeah, I was leaning my head to the right for the same reason. Some of you have been through those. Some of you are walking through those seasons right now. I'm standing here before you more than 22 years later, and so you know the end of that story. Uh, on, on the one hand, I'm cancer-free and have been for 22 years, and I give God all the glory for that. So praise the Lord. And now I would like no applause. On the other hand, the Buckeyes lost that day to the Wolverines. And so there, I see you, I see you. <laughs> At the end of that day, I was like, God, I mean, how much can one person take, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we are who we are, and today is today. And, and how we process the sizes of detours that come into our, our lens and come into our life. We can just do for today what we can do for today. And if that's you walking through this, stay true to your race. God has not forgotten you. God is still with you. We just sang about it a few moments ago. He is the same God today as he has always been. Detours have different sizes, and that's what Paul and Barnabas discovered 
as they landed in a new place now in Antioch. They were in Antioch when they left, but this is a different Antioch, like Columbus, Ohio, and Columbus, Georgia. Here's, here's a different Antioch, verses 13 through 49, and they have a different size of a detour. On, on Cyprus, it was one person. Here in Antioch now, it's a whole crowd. People who were Jewish uh, followers, they were now blaspheming and contradicting Paul's proclamation of the gospel about Jesus. This was a larger detour, and they were envious. That's what Scripture says. They were envious that Paul was attracting this audience, and so they began to oppose him. This is a larger detour, and yet Paul remained true to the race he was called to run. And Scripture says that Gentiles believed as a result, and the gospel spread everywhere. God does not tempt anyone. God is not the creator of difficult circumstances. But God understands that we're walking in those difficult circumstances, and if we tap into his Holy Spirit and tap into the people of God to help us, he already knows in advance that the races that we run often produce more effectiveness because of the detours, because others can see what is happening in our lives. Detours have different signs, they have different sizes, and they have different sources. Sometimes we're not sure who put the sign there, are we? Like, where did this detour come from? A default of humanity today is to blame somebody else for everything, right? Instantly, that's the first thing a culture wants us to do is to to call out somebody, to name them, to blame them, and to make all kinds of assumptions about whatever negative thing has happened. And there's truth, however, that, that sometimes present day human activity is the source for the detour you're walking through. And sometimes it was him, and sometimes it was her, and sometimes it was them, but standing in front of the mirror, sometimes it's him. Sometimes it's you. So for good or evil, theirs or ours, it is true that there is a human activity source for many of the detours and the unexpected challenges that we walk through in life. I know in a, a crowd this size, you, you are correct. Some of you are still walking through and will be walking through the pain, the trauma that another person cruelly introduced into your life. And God is faithful. Some of us are walking through the mistakes that we ourselves made and God is faithful. However, sometimes the source is not another human being. It's not us. It's simply the result of living in a fallen world. When sin was introduced to this planet in a way that God never intended for his people to walk through, it introduced a series of devastating detours that have plagued humanity in big ways and individual ways throughout history. That is a source sometimes. And sometimes the source of detours is that something better is under construction. It's not evil, it's just that we have to go through this season intentionally because we know that something really good is on the way. You don't know about this up here, but there are other parts of the state where they have construction on the roads like years and years and years. <laughs> I, I remember driving up 75. I'm sure they're still somewhere, but I know that you all have had orange barrels on those roads for seemingly some of you your whole lives. <laughs> and yet we can already see the beauty on the other side. These are great roads once they're all done. It's awesome to be able to have that. So how do you know what the source is? Paul 
in Acts chapter 13, verses 50 to 52, encountered another detour. This was also in Antioch. And this time it wasn't just the Jews, it was a variety of sources. It was, it was Jews who wished him wrong, it was prominent women in the city, it was chief men, and all of them together rose up and they expelled Paul and Barnabas out of Antioch. Different sources for different detours. But Paul stayed on his race. In fact, Scripture says there that even though they were expelled from Antioch, they remained full of joy and the Holy Spirit, which is a miracle in and of itself. Sometimes the source of your detour is known. Sometimes it remains unknown. But regardless, your testimony can be, I'm going to remain full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. And this room and auditorium too and others who are watching online, you are surrounded by people who share that testimony today. Detours have different signs. They have different sizes and they have different Sources, and it's really helpful to understand that. But now, let's bust some myths. There are some things about detours and interruptions and challenges that, that are not always true. They become legend in our minds sometimes, and the enemy, if we're not careful, can use these circumstances in our life to get us distracted to the point that we contemplate giving up on our race. Myth number one is that detours are unhealthy. Detours are unhealthy. Anytime you hear about, hey, your day, your journey, your life is gonna be interrupted by something challenging, how many of you go, oh, right, I'm so excited about that, right? Usually the, the reaction, for good reasons, is not quite that. It's like, oh, wow, really? I don't know. Well, here's what Paul and Barnabas incurred on their next stop. This was a city called Iconium. And here there was a violent an attempt, a violent attempt by unbelieving, not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles both. They all were violent toward Paul and Barnabas. They abused them and they attempted to stone them. They wanted to kill them. Now, I am a preacher. I went to school for theology and biblical studies, so I am not a doctor. I have a father and some brothers who are doctors. I am not one. But yet I believe it is true. I believe I could prove with very limited uh, science background in biology that getting stoned is unhealthy. <laughs> that, that having rocks thrown at you would not be considered uh, healthy by the Journal of uh, American Medicine. So yeah, this is unhealthy. And there are detours in life that are very unhealthy. Ones that we launch ourselves into and others that are perpetrated upon us by others or by, by a sinful, a fallen world. But not every detour is unhealthy. Any fans here today of Post-it notes? I love me some Post-it notes. How about Velcro? A lot of moms and dads depend upon Velcro. Silly putty. Who, who, who doesn't love silly putty? And then it gets more serious. Anesthesia. I am personally grateful for anesthesia. <laughs> Pacemakers. Penicillin. Very important things. And of course, I save the most important for last. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. All of these inventions 
were detours. All of these came about as a result of inventors in the lab trying to do one thing and then discovering in the process something else. Wow, look at that. And that's just Cliff's notes on the benefits of detours. Not every detour is unhealthy. Detours can be currency for you. Like you've discovered this uh, in your family's journey, in your workplace, in your studies. A detour, while uh, on the front end seeming untimely, seeming like not fun and unhealthy, they can actually be very healthy because they can produce in you a clarification for your journey. I I didn't expect it this way, but this and this and this, I can see clearly now what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Detours can increase your influence. No one was expecting this, and somehow you are impressed of the Lord. You are gifted to rise up in the midst of the chaos and offer a steady hand and some clarity. It increases your influence. Many leaders have been launched in their positions because of what looked like an unhealthy detour. There was a scientific experiment years ago in the early 90s called the biosphere. Some of you remember this, biosphere one and biosphere two out in Arizona. And I think you can still take tours of these failed experiments today, Um, like a large, large laboratory and greenhouses. The whole thing was how long can, can humans live and sustain life in a closed environment? protected from the elements. What if we had to do this in Mars where there was not oxygen? You know, what, what if we had to live somewhere? That was the premise. And so they're failed experiments because you can't do that uh, for very long, apparently. But we learned a lot of things. They've been helpful. And one of the things is watching uh, plant life in that sustained environment, especially trees. When, when the trees were this high and this high, every, all, life was good. But as they kept growing, the trees in the biosphere began to just fall over under their own weight. Anybody know why that would be true? Because something happens in the elements when trees are only a foot tall and two feet tall and three feet tall. The winds that rage up here are too much for little saplings. But down here, the winds closer to the ground are not as rough. They're not as brisk. And so when those little trees begin to sense the wind and they start to lean this way, they naturally are designed then to reach out into the ground and say, hold on. And those roots begin to go deep and they begin to go wide. And then when the winds come and they lean this way, the roots over here start to stretch out. Hold on. Let me grab a hold of something. And that happens for months and years and years. So when these mighty oaks and maples and everything else and these tall evergreen pines get to to incredible heights, what lies below is a root system that is incredibly impressive as these roots go out many, many feet in every direction. Come on, that preaches itself, doesn't it, right? So these unhealthy detours are often very healthy because if we lived a life without these interruptions, these inconveniences, these challenging circumstances, we would not be able to sustain some of the major detours that happen in life. Detours are not always unhealthy, and that is by no means to dismiss what you're walking through. It is tough, gut-wrenching. That's why it's so good to belong to Calvary Church, why it's so good to belong to the community of faith, to get plugged into a life group so so we can help each other as we're designed to as the body of Christ. 
detours are not always unhealthy. Let's also bust the myth that detours are always untimely because not every detour is untimely. Compared to what? Yeah, it's not fun at the time, but detours can be routes to perfection. Left on your own devices, what's your plan to arrive at perfection? (laughs) James chapter one says, the trying of our faith produces patience, and if we allow patience to have its perfect work, right, it can cause us to become more and more like Jesus Christ, more so than if we were not tested in the process. Detours are not only not always untimely, they can actually be catalysts to get us where we were planning to go anyways more quickly, right? It's human nature. When we are not tested, when we are left to our own devices, we can naturally default to a pace that is not worthy of where we really could be if we were functioning with full diligence. And sometimes that detour, sometimes that threat or that challenge marshals individuals and marshals the body of Christ to to pull together and to realize we are under attack. And just like the the disciples in Acts chapter 4, we can say, now, Lord, look on the threats that are coming toward us and grant that with all boldness we could preach your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be performed in the name of your holy child, Jesus Christ. Sometimes these detours wake us up and we need it. Detours are not always untimely, and that's what Paul and Barnabas discovered in Acts 14, verses 8 through 18. Now they're in Lystra, and this is kind of funny, but it's also untimely. Paul and Barnabas had a plan. They were on a race. They had their assignment, and this detour is that a crippled man gets healed while Paul is preaching the gospel. You say, what's what's wrong with that? (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. But the response of the crowd became a detour because just like the crowd on the day of Pentecost concluded that everybody speaking in other languages was drunk by uh, 9 a.m. on that morning, so too they misjudged this. They assumed that Paul and Barnabas must be gods. Oh, that's, that's what's happening here. That's the only way this crippled man could be healed is because now uh, these are gods. So they started calling them Zeus. <laughs> and so Paul and Barnabas were like, no, no. Isn't that every pastor's challenge? Everybody wants to worship him as though they're gods. No. Ha, 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 right? Cheering them. No, they were saying, we're not God, but, but God is God. And as they responded with faithfulness to that detour, more disciples were added to the church. Not every detour is untimely. And finally this morning, not every detour is unusual. Not every detour is unusual. Detours are not only not exceptions to life, they are life. That's, that's how we live our lives, is being tested, responding, knowing that we're on a race. How is this detour going to help clarify our race? Years ago, when I was single, I was a youth pastor at a church, and there was an unusual detour in my mind. I was a youth pastor. I was working with the young adults and the, and the youth, having a great time. And the pastor made an unusual request. John, I need you to come to the missions banquet. It's not for the youth. It's, it's for the adults, but it'll be good. So that Thursday night in October, I wasn't really that excited about this unusual ask. I'd never been to one of these events before. And 
So it felt kind of strange, but I went. And as a result of hearing that preacher that night preach and share his story, I felt the Lord speak to me loud and clear about asking a young lady named Bridget to become my wife. And she was not there. We were not dating. She was dating someone else. And so when Pastor Chad asked me back the next time, I will tell you all the crazy details about me following through a couple days later and asking her to marry me. You do know, however, spoiler alert, that we're married more than 30 years now, so you know how that all worked out. And with four children and with so many memories that I already love and so much excitement about the future, do I look back on that detour in October of 19, whatever that was, 1989, and say I'm thankful? (laughs) You better believe it. What I thought was a minor inconvenience turned into the most (laughs) pivotal, influential appointment of my life. And I look back and say, thank God for that detour. Here we are in Acts 14, verses 19 through 28. And I'll invite the musicians to come and help us as we conclude at this time. This is ministry right here in a nutshell. This is what service can look like. One verse earlier, the disciples are being lauded as gods. As they preach, now one verse later, they are stoned nearly to death because the crowd revolted. (laughs) Just one verse. Yes, this was a detour that that felt like it was unusual. It wasn't for Paul because he began to be stoned and attempted to be stoned so many times. But because he stayed true to his race that he knew God had called him on, they went on to a city called Derby. And in Derby, they continued to preach the gospel and more and more disciples were saved. More miracles were performed. As I said a few moments ago, you, you could take this basic outline and apply it to so many people in scripture and so many people in this room today. Not every detour is unusual. Not every detour is untimely. Not every detour is unhealthy. Detours have different signs. They have different sizes. They have different sources. Yeah, it's called life. But if you're walking through one of those very challenging seasons right now, please hear today what the Lord has done for you. He has put this worship time He's put these prayer warriors in this room. He's he's put these sermon notes together to help you, to give you the encouragement. You're going to make it. You're going to stay on your race. You don't have to give up. You don't have to say, lights out. You can run the race that I've set before you, and I will help you every step of the way. That's what Paul said as he reflected on this first journey, the second journey, third journey, in Acts chapter 20, he says of all this, look, I'm going bound right now in the spirit, like the spirit is compelling me. In my flesh, I don't wanna go, but the spirit is telling me I need to go to Jerusalem. I don't even know the things that are gonna happen to me there. I don't know everything, but already I've been getting some signs The Holy Spirit is testifying to me personally and he's using other people everywhere I go, in every city, 
He's telling me in advance, chains and tribulations await me. And he was right. But he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life as being anything important so that I can do three things. And he gives us these three final points today in the message. So that I can finish my race with joy. So I can finish my race with joy. Notice there, he is determined, not knowing everything that's gonna happen, that he is gonna finish. I wish I had the time to know each of your stories here today. But I know, I know I'm looking at people. You're in a tough spot right now. I know it feels like the wind has gotten kicked out of you because of the attacks or the detours that you're walking through right now. But I know that you want this to be your story. You want to say even now in the midst of it or even now in a really good season, I wanna finish. I do wanna finish. I wanna finish this race. I wanna be found whenever my last breath is taken on this earth. I want to be finishing my race with Jesus. Can you make that your commitment today? Some of you would say, I can't imagine not. But let me tell you, it's a daily determination. And in the good times and the challenging seasons, to just be able to say that today, I'm gonna finish, is a great and a healthy thing to do. Secondly, notice how he said, it's my race. He didn't say, I'm gonna finish Barnabas's race. I'm gonna finish Silas's race. No, he said, I'm gonna finish my race. Please don't overlook that today. The world that you are in, those family members, whatever your relationship with them is like, whatever your friends and your coworkers and the other students, they need you to finish your race. I intend to finish my race, but me finishing my race will have little to no impact on the people who are in your world. Before the foundation of this world, God knew in 2022, and he knew in 2032, and every day of your life, who would be in your world, and that's why, just like Paul, it's so critical that you understand that you've got to finish your race, because only your race will impact the people who God has placed in your world. It's critical. And if we don't finish the race that we are set out to run, not only will we miss out on what God had intended for our own good and for our own blessing, but those who are watching us will have one more reason to not take faith with Jesus Christ as seriously as they should. Finish my race with joy. Finish my race with joy. He wasn't determined to just finish with bitterness, to finish his race with (laughs) half-heartedness. Wherever it is, whenever that day comes, I'm gonna finish my race, and with God's help, I'm gonna finish it with joy. For some of you, that seems like a tall order in October 22. Let me encourage you today, that is entirely possible, that is entirely God's plan for you as you finish your race, as you seek his help, allow the Holy Spirit, allow his word to encourage you one step at a time, you can finish your race with joy.
Jesus, amazing. Praise the Lord. I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Some of you were able to put words together to say that God's faithfulness is great. Some of you were able to raise your hands. Some of you were able to belt it out. And if we all knew what that meant and what just happened in the heavenlies, because you said, despite the challenges, you just affirmed, despite the challenging road that you're on right now, that you're going to remain faithful to God because you know he is faithful to you. That was a major victory, and we thank the Lord with you today. Let's pray. God, all over this room, some of us don't even know what's coming. Some of us are, are thankfully looking in the rearview mirror at some of these challenges and others right now are feeling the waves start to rise. But you told us that the wise man builds his house on the firm foundation, on the rock of faith in Jesus Christ. It's the foolish person, may have a great looking house, but they're building their foundation on sand if it's, if it's not you. So Lord, we might be missing some shingles, we might have some windows that get, that get knocked out from time to time, but you said the point was, despite the storms, the winds, the rains, the floods, the house that was on the rock stood firm. Lord, we pray for every person in this room today, through this church, through life groups, through our Bible study, through, through seeking your face on a regular basis, that our foundation will remain firm so that we can finish our race with joy. The enemy is trying to plant seeds for, for husbands to give up, for single mothers to say it's just too much, for, for retirees and, and senior citizens to, to feel alone or neglected. And today, Jesus is saying, uh-uh. Jesus is saying, I have my hand upon you. I'm going to make sure as you trust me, you, like Paul, will not just run a race. You're going to finish it, and it's going to be your race that will glorify me in a way that will touch the people around you that only you can do. And you're gonna be able to finish it with joy because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Lord, we thank you for that in each person's life. If you're watching online, if you're here today and, and you would say, I, I, I don't really know about that. I, I'm on the fence. I haven't, I haven't really jumped in with faith in Jesus Christ and you're feeling that presence today. That's a real thing. There are people who want to pray with you. In the lobby today, here at the altars, there'll be people who are ready to pray and agree with you. Please reach out. We don't run this race on our own. We run it with each other. 
Lord, we thank you for the good thing you're doing today and in the weeks and the months to come. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. Pastor Jordan has a final comment. Yeah, absolutely. Can we thank Pastor John for such a timely word this morning? We are honored that you made your way to Toledo to bring that word and we're obedient to God's direction. Church, we are thankful that you are here as well. And so before you go, would you just reach a hand up towards heaven and receive a blessing from the Lord this morning? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace as you go. God bless you all. We hope to see you back here really soon. Have a great day.